This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. You're listening to an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments, though, 888 99 Chart, 888 99CHART, and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk. Welcome to Invest Talk, above average investing for the average investor. We try to bring you useful information and answer any questions you might have, as long as they're financial. And you know, I'm dedicated to helping you succeed as an investor and to manage your money. You have to be a, the guy in charge or guy or gal in charge of your money. You are in charge. No matter who you hire, what funds you buy, it doesn't matter. You're in charge of your money. And yes, we'll talk about uh, investing approaches to help you grow that money. Even more important is to learn strategies to protect your money. You know, there's one thing to grow it, but you also got to protect it, especially as you get older and older and older. It becomes more and more important. And those who are older know what I'm talking about. Young people don't. They don't need to worry about that. Older people need to worry about protecting the money. Now, with the market being, I think this is going to be a continuous choppy year. And that's just the way it's going to be. Is it pretty important to keep a watch list of stocks you wish to own at the right price? The market is choppy. It's going to give you some opportunities. And I want to point out some important criteria that should help you weed through these strong names and find the ones with good value and stay in power. I can help you with that. Okay, but before we get into any of that kind of stuff, let's first go to and take the look at some calls. Take some calls here. Maybe you've got a question or possibly you want me to define or refine an investing term. You set the course to the show. Call in with your questions. 888-99-CHART. Here's one that came in before today's program. Hi, my name is Gavin from Napa. Um, so I had a quick question with regards to kind of getting started with uh, beginning investing. And um, I'm looking to open IRAs for both. My wife and I were both 30 years old. And the question I had was, I also want to get into the individual stocks and ETFs, but what's your opinion on maxing out your, both your 403B at work and your IRAs before investing in ETFs and things like that? Or should you do a combination of both? Or should you, again, just kind of focus on maxing out your retirement accounts before you start getting into ETFs and things like that? Anyways, looking forward to your answer. Thanks. Okay. Uh, you might be a little confused because maxing out a retirement account, either 403B, 401K, 457, whatever they are, or maxing out an IRA has nothing to do with, uh, with the type of investment you're going to put into it. That's what the ETFs you're talking about. So it's not one or the other. It's max out your 401k, 403b, or whatever you have, especially if they, uh, if your employer contributes or matches your funds that you put in. And if you can, of course you want to open up an IRA. Then once you have those open, you then buy things from there or inside it. Now, maybe those things you can buy in a 403B might be limited to mutual funds that they offer. That might be so. In an IRA, though, you have unlimited choice. You can buy whatever you want. ETS, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, whatever you want. 
as a, as you're starting out, I would suggest you do use ETS and you use indexing until you learn more and more about how to pick stocks. You know, yeah, you can buy a stock here and there because you think it looks good or you like it or you like what I heard about, it, but what you hear about it. But that's just throwing a dart at a dartboard. You don't really know how to analyze it. So that takes a little time you got, and, and knowledge to learn how to analyze a stock and say, okay, that's a good one I want to own. Now, of course, you could say, well, I'm just going to own some of the big blue chip companies. Well, you could say that, but that means, uh, would, does that mean you would have bought GE when it was $30 a share a year or so ago? Now it was, what, $15, $18 a share? What got cut in half? See, so you want to know, even if they're big blue chip stocks, you want to know what their prospects are. But just remember, yeah, you want to max out your retirement savings because you get that's a, those are great tax deductible for you, tax deduction. Okay, so welcome to the Thursday edition, everybody. I really appreciate you being with me. Uh, you know, we talked about putting together watch lists as you go about building a list of stocks. It's kind of important to keep that criteria straight in your mind. Make sure your choices measure up. First, I want you to look at return on equity. This is a good measurement of the company's returns, the company's returns, not how much you're going to make because the stock goes up. The company, its own returns. We like to see that the company's return on equity is around, you know, 17% or higher. That's what I like to see, that kind of number. Return on, S, return on assets. This is the core value driver behind return on equity. Now, companies with a strong ROA, return on assets, are more likely to maintain profitability through hard times. Banks and other, and other highly indebted companies can see quick profit drops in a poor economy. When someone uses leverage, when a company uses leverage, that means borrowing, profits in a bad time disappear, disappear quick. Growth. You want growth. Even if you've got a big blue chip company, you want some growth. Some. Now, don't have to have it if the dividend's high enough and you're just concerned or happy with the dividend. But, you know, you want to see a history of some growth in the company. It just is it's comforting because it helps sustain and make the price of the stock go higher. And finally, you look for a steady business model. Many times, um, Morningstar calls it a moat. You want a company that has a good moat around it. In other words, the competition is hard to, it's, you like a company that's not so easy that the competition can take market share away from the, your company. So these are many, some of the things you need to think about. Now, do you have questions about any of the, these, uh, any of the current markers these markers I just mentioned, do you have any questions about them? You can get in touch. Use our 24-hour listen line, 888-99-CHART. Jeff Fries over at MarketWatch.com has a, a, a definite opinion regarding the likelihood of a housing bubble. He says there is no bubble. But in the wake of 2008 financial crisis, many Americans lost faith in the idea of a house as an investment. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to examine that question, and that's going to be our main talking point. Seven reasons to buy a house now. Hmm. Okay, also, uh, related to that, I want to talk about mortgages, mortgage rates. Have you seen what it's been doing lately? 
And also, which, which you know, there's like four major big blue chip companies that are marching toward $1 trillion valuation. Do you know who they are? Should you be buying them? Should you own them? And the LEI, LEI was reported today. LEI, Leading Economic Indicators. And also industrial production. I want to talk about both those sets of numbers. I think they're very um, in, in, in informative. You're listening to Invest Talk, everybody. I'm Steve Peasley. We want to answer your questions. Our listener line number is always ready for you. 888-99-CHART. Beginning our experience, we're here to answer your questions. You're listening to an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments, though, 888 99CHART, 888 99CHART, and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk. Let's go to Keith in Sonoma. How are you doing, Keith? Yeah, Steve, I had a quick question for you. Sure. If I want information and to chat with other people to play a saxophone, there's a forum that I go to online, and I can talk to people all over the world about various aspects. Mm-hmm. Is there something like that for stocks? There is a lot of chat rooms in the investment websites. Yeah. Almost all of them have chat rooms. Be very careful with that, Keith, because you don't know who's a pumper-dumper out there. Yeah, that's what I want. I want more like ordinary people like myself mm. trying to educate and, right. and make it do a better job of uh, managing my own portfolio. I can understand that. But see, when you get into an investment field, you've got a lot of scammers out there. Okay. That always okay. scares me when you sit there and you don't really know who's on the other end. I'm just going to warn you, there are good, solid information out there. There is. And yeah. you know you can get a pretty good feel for what companies are doing. But every once in a while, there's a scammer out there inside that little chat room, a guy who's trying to sell something. He'll convince you to move to this or to move to that, and he sounds very convincing. That's what I fear, Keith. I, I fear yeah. that. If so you want to learn no- more and more and more stuff, reading is always a good place. I know that sounds not exciting. You want to talk to people. Come to our conference. All it is is a teaching conference. We don't try to sell you a thing. It sounds good. If my back holds up, I'm going to try and get down there. Yeah. <laughs> There's no selling. We'll give you breakfast, and you know it's pretty reasonable, and we'll give you all kinds of handouts to help you. I really do love doing those conferences because of the teaching aspect of it. Okay, Steve. Thank you. Thanks, Keith. How about if we go to Bill in Livermore? How are you doing, Bill? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing good. You? I'm great. I'm really doing well. My question was, what's the difference between a registered investment advisor and a certified financial planner? Very good question, and there is a great big difference. A registered investment advisor is a guy who manages portfolios. We actually manage money. A financial planner does not manage money. A financial planner manages every piece of aspect of your financial life. In other words, he may suggest you buy life insurance. He'll talk about your medical coverage. He'll talk about your house and what kind of mortgage you have and maybe you need to refinance or get a different mortgage. And he will talk about you know where you should put your money in this mutual fund or that and he'll sell you loaded funds. He'll tell you to put them in loads. But he himself does not manage money. A registered investment advisor gets paid 
taken a small piece of the money he manages. A financial planner usually gets paid in one of two ways. He gets commission on the products he sells, life insurance, house and uh, remortgaging a house. He gets a fee for that. He gets a fee for sending you to loaded funds. Okay, But he physically does not manage the money, which an advisor does. We get paid a fee for managing the money. Okay. Thank okay. you for the call. Bye. 888-99 chart. Okay. No bubble. Seven reasons why you still it's still a great time to buy a house. Okay. Uh, well, I don't know if it's great time to buy a house, but I don't think it's a bad time. I don't. And you got to remember, when the bubble builds, most people don't even know it's a bubble. It's very hard to recognize that you're in a bubble. Now, bubbles... Bubbles come and go, okay? But they're not that common. They're just not. And why should you buy a house? Well, they're still, the prices are still pretty good. Mortgage rates are not out of line, even though they're rising. Uh, for, if you adjust for inflation, prices are still well below the peaks that they made back in the, the financial crisis peak. Uh, inventories... And, you know, inventories are hard or low, and new construction has not come even close near what it was back in the peak. So supply is is pretty still pretty tough, so there's not like a tremendous amount of supply out there. Um, and the economy is doing really good, so that, you know, your job is pretty secure, and then you only get, you know, the last write-off is your mortgage, right? The last write-off. Even though here in California, they, 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 you know, with the new law, the new law that the federal government passed uh, concerning uh, uh, taxes, it limited us because our house values are so high, so and so is our mortgages, that the limit of, what was it, $10,000 kind of hurt us of a write-off on your mortgage. So, uh, but there are really good reasons to own a house. I, it's a good store of value. You know, uh, you gotta live somewhere. Would you rather rent or rather own? I think you should rather rent. I don't think anywhere, I don't think we're, I don't think we're near the peak of a house, housing market. I don't think we're near the peak yet. Don't be shy. If you're just joining us for the first time, we love beginner questions. We're here to help you. We can help you get all the answers right here on the show. Our number is 888-99-CHART. You're listening to an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments, though, 888 99CHART, 888 99CHART, and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk. Let's talk to Rick in San Diego. How are you doing, Rick? Oh, good, good. Thanks for calling. Okay. I went to a, a hard assets conference a while ago, and one of the guys, some of the guys we talk about, instead of buying stocks, to buy warrants. Yes. And I'm not exactly sure what warrants are. Warrants are a, are, are a right to buy a stock, 
Okay, so many times when a company takes over or there's a rights offering, you might get, okay, we're gonna give you our, an IPO. They may give you, okay, you, we're gonna give you a thousand shares, you can buy a thousand shares, and we're gonna give you warrants to buy another thousand shares. And the warrant itself can be traded based on what the value of the company is. They're not common, it's more uncommon. A warrant is a right to buy more shares of a particular company. Are they risky, advisable, or what's your rough opinion? Yeah, well, warrants, unlike options, it's not like you have the right to buy it at a certain price. It's not like that. It's the right to buy it. Okay. So it's the right to buy it at the price it is at the time you decide to buy it. Some you could do it that. There are warrants that you can buy it within a certain period of time. There's warrants. See, it depends on the warrant. Do they expire? Yes, they do. Some expire. Most of them expire, the ones I've seen, but some last forever, too. So there could be a time decay on some. It could be, yes. Uh, a lot of times people want, you know, I want a thousand shares like an IPO and then I want the right to buy more because you may not have enough right now because it's, it's oversubscribed. More people want it than there are available. Uh, another way it happens is one co company A buys company B, it gives you the right to buy more shares of the company that bought. Thank you. Appreciate the call. Warrants, everybody. It's not too common. You hear more about options, uh, call options, and put options. And that gives you the right to buy or sell a stock at a certain price in a certain time frame. Warrants don't work that way. Mike and Santee, how you doing? Uh, I wanted to get your opinion. Uh, my wife and I just had our first child uh, about yes. 20 days ago. And I am looking into some kind of college saving plan. I'm trying to weigh a 529, just like a regular investment account. Okay, there's also what's called a Coverdell. Have you heard those yet? No, I haven't. There's what's called a Coverdell. They used to be called the Education IRA, but now they call them Coverdells. So there's the 529 and the Coverdells. Those are the two tax-deferred college saving plans that you have to choose from. Now let's go over the difference real fast. A 529 is sponsored by a particular state. You can go to any state. You can, from California, you can buy an Illinois 529 plan. You can buy a California 529 plan. And each state has its own 529 plan. The good thing about a 529 plan is you can put a lot of money away. Uh -huh. a, a lot. You know, if you make more and more money going forward, you can put more and more money away. The bad thing about a 529 plan, it can only be used for an accredited college. Yeah. That's it. Now, a Coverdell... You could put up to like $3,500 a year. There's a maximum, okay? It changes every year, but I think it's 3500 maybe 4000 per year. Okay. The good thing about that is it's much more flexible. It doesn't have to go to college. Let's say when your little child gets, uh, I don't know, uh, goes to elementary school, you want to send them to private school. Let's say you want to do that. Well, you can use that Coverdale for private schooling. You can also use it to buy a computer, books, other things for education, not just tuition. Okay. You see, so there's a little bit more flexible in the Coverdale, but you can't put as much money away. Okay, well, those are the two options. I appreciate the uh, input on that. Good luck, Mike, and congratulations, uh, boy or girl? A uh, girl. God, boy, that's what I wanted. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate <laughs> Thank you. the call. Managing multiple mutual funds, researching professional services, where to put your savings. If it's about money and if it's important to you, we want to know more about it. We're here for you. 888-99-CHART is how to reach Steve or Justin right now on Invest Talk. Let's talk to Gwen in Castro Valley. How you doing, Gwen? 
Good. How are you? Doing great. I'm a big fan of buy and rebalance the portfolio. Okay. And I'm wondering what out there is going to work better over the next 20 years than buy and hold or buy and rebalance. Nothing. If you're talking about 20 years, Gwen, uh, buy and hold will work over that length of period of time. It hasn't worked in the last 10 years. Have you noticed? Buy and hold. But when you say rebalance, that's kind of key. Rebalance how and into what? Okay. Uh, in an economic recovery, when a, in every economic recovery in the history, when the stock market the stock market will rally six, nine months, sometimes twelve months before the economy shows any growth. Okay. In that the stock market recovery. The best stocks that move the fastest are going to be your small cap growth stocks. They've always done the best coming out of an economic recovery. So, if you're saying I need to rebalance out of these bond funds because interest rates are so low and bond funds may not work going forward for a while, maybe I need to rebalance into a more aggressive stance, I would agree with you. Well, wouldn't your asset allocation determine where you should be selling and buying? Well, but some of the I like asset allocation. I don't want to disagree with anybody on asset allocation, but it depends on. I, I disagree with people who blindly asset allocate because they say I need to have this much money in bonds and this much money in stocks and this much money in precious metals or binding. See, so when you rebalance again, rebalance into what areas and the asset allocation. Sometimes it's better to be over here than over there. And, you know, those people who just ask to allocate across a broad spectrum, I think they're doing it wrong. Thanks for the question, Gwen. Appreciate it. I'm Money Manager Steve Peasley, and we're here to help you get better results if we can with your invested dollars. That's our goal. Do you have a question? Check in now. 888-99-CHART. Our Invest Talk podcast continues one of KPP Financial's solutions that help solve today's retirement puzzle is our balanced income portfolio. How do you get the income you need in retirement without the kind of risk that you don't feel comfortable with? That's what this program is all about, the balanced income portfolio from KPP Financial. And remember, as with each KPP program, the principles at KPP are invested right along with you. Would you like to know more about it? The Balanced Income Portfolio? You can call 888-99-CHART and follow the prompts, or you can ask Steve about it directly. Just click on the Contact Steve button on investtalk.com. Now let's get back to the podcast. You're listening to an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments, though, 888 99CHART, 888 99CHART, and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk. 888 99CHART, 888 992 4278. Mortgage rates have reached a seven year high. We talked about housing and whether you should buy a house earlier in the show. Well, mortgage rates are a seven year high. 30-year fixed mortgage is 4.61% last week. Now, of course, the 10-year treasury is also at a high, so they've been kind of lockstep together going up. Um, but that's okay. It helps with the uh, it helps with the yield spread. 
which helps tell us that the mar the market and the economy is still doing pretty good. Still, uh, 4.61% is still way below the long-term average of 30-year fixed mortgage. Most experts feel that when it hits 5%, that's when it'll start affecting housing, sales of houses. So I think it's going to have a hard time breaching 5%, even, even with the Federal Reserve raising rates. I think it's going to have a hard time getting above it. Um, but... That, and it's only going to be a mental barrier, you know, as far as, oh, it's a 5%, it's higher than 5 oh my goodness. Now, I want you to know in history, uh, my first house, uh, I would have killed for 5%. My first house, I paid 12 and a quarter for a 30-year fixed. 12 and a quarter percent for 30 years. That was my first house I bought. So, that tells you where it's come from, okay? It, and it went all the way down to what, 3%, 3 and a quarter percent, 3 and a half percent, something like 3 and 3 Three to three to three and a half, and now it's slowly eking its back way back up. Now, how long did it take go from twelve percent down to three and a half percent? Thirty years, plus maybe more, that long. So, and that was the days when inflation was way out of control, at twelve and a quarter percent. So, mortgage rates, interest rates, move glacially. Sometimes they can spike up or down, but in general. They, you know, long-term rates move very, very slow. And we have seen the bottom of the cycle. And actually, the interest rate cycle is about 30 years. Very long. So don't expect mortgage rates to get cheaper in the future. They won't. Not for years and years. I don't think so. Now, could it go back down to 4% from 4.6? Yes. So I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about long-term the, there's, the pressure is going to be higher, not lower, on interest rates. Higher. And I think we all just need to get used to that idea. Okay? 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. I'm going to talk about, before the end of the show, more economic statistics that are reported out this week, because we had quite a bit reported. I felt, I felt quite a bit of important statistics being reported this week that I want to share. And I also want to talk about the four largest market cap stocks. Which one of these four will be the first trillion dollars market cap? Market cap is the size of the company. Do you know how you calculate market cap? 888-99-CHARTER is our number. 888-992-4278. Al and Sil Beach, how are you doing, Al? I have a managed account with your firm, I'm, uh -huh. and then I also am I'm putting the maximum in a 401k, and I'm holding a couple of uh, stocks that I've had forever. Okay. Can I benefit from a Roth? Would that le it lessen my taxes in the future? And what kind of investments can I put into a Roth? Can I put I-bonds, municipals, T-bonds, yes. T-bills? Yes, you can put anything you want in a Roth. You can put anything you want in an IRA, almost anything you want almost. in both. How old are you? I'm 44. Okay. The stocks that I've been holding, can I roll those into a Roth? I've had them forever. Where are they now? They're just in a reinvestment plan. No, I don't think you can roll any any positions into a Roth or a regular IRA from a normal account. You okay. have to put in cash, then buy what you want from them. Okay. The answer to your question is yes. Why do I say yes? 
for everybody else. A Roth is something that you open up, a Roth IRA versus a regular IRA. You put money in there after tax, after tax. Whereas a regular IRA, your money you put in there, you don't have to pay income tax on. The reason why I'm telling you yes, Al, is because when you get to retirement, and the reason why I asked you your age, yes, sir. how many years you got left, okay? Right. But when you reach retirement, and you hinted at it, when you're 65, what if you're still working part-time somewhere, and you still, but you want to take money, you need money from your IRA account? It would be wiser to take money out of the Roth then, because you won't have to pay any taxes or income taxes on that money right. while you're paying income tax on the money that you're making, you're earning. When you eventually fully retire, well, not, uh, the assumption is that you're going to be in less tax brackets. You're trying right. to keep the lowest taxes. Then right. you can start taking from your regular. It gives, regular. You, yeah, it gives you the freedom to pick and choose. Okay. I'll appreciate the call. I really appreciate your time. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. Market update forecast, special watch lists, a list of real estate investment trusts, a list of ETFs that short the market, chart lessons, special investing, info sheets, helping you manage portfolios when you're nearing retirement or investing for income, and, of course, an entire library of our wealth webinars. All of them are available, all of them, if you're an InvestTalk insider. So all you do, and it's free to become an insider. You get it free. Visit InvestTalk.com and click on the InvestTalk tab. Do you have questions about college savings plans? The new tax bill stops the Coverdale program, but both Series 1 savings bonds and Section 529 college savings plans offer tax-advantaged ways to save for college. Ask your question about college savings plans, if you'd like, at 888-99-CHART. Okay, let's go talk to Art in Menlo Park. How are you doing, Art? Hey, Steve. Thanks for taking my call. Thank you. I just got a question about my uh, 401k. Okay. Um, when I reach uh, 59 and a half, I guess uh, you can start uh, taking distributions. Is that correct? That is correct. At 65, I believe you can start. Are you still working at your employer? Uh, yes. Okay. And it's 65, I believe, is the age. You can even take it at oh, 62 thought... in certain circumstances. Again, you need to probably talk to an accountant to get the, the real answer. Remember, I'm, it's not my expertise, but I believe you can take it even younger if you want to. I wouldn't necessarily recommend it, but you could. Oh, okay. Yeah, because actually my question was going to be, um, when you start taking uh, distributions, can you uh, take varying amounts, or does it have to be one set amount? Okay, good. That's a good question. When you're in a 401k at age, unless it's a Roth, if it's a regular 401k, which it probably is, or an IRA, you have to start taking it at age 70 and a half. And that is if you are not working for them. There are different rules. If, you, if Let's say you're still working. You know, you're 70 and you're still working. I'm not sure about that rule. But if you're not working, you have to start taking IRA and 401k redistributions at 70 and a half, the year that you reach 70 and a half. Yeah, because actually uh, the other part of the question was going to be if I'm still working um, and I'm able to uh, take distribution, I was just wondering if you could uh, take, like, take, for example, 2% one year and then the following year, like, take uh, 3%. And then... No, at seventy half, the, at seventy half, they, they, the government has a formula that says, okay, at seventy half, you're going to live to your ninety. Therefore, you need to take this much percent. Oh, 
of your they're, oh, you're told what you have to do but again oh. if you're working art if you're working past 70 there may be rules that I'm not aware of and that you need to talk to an accountant about oh okay if you're working All right, Steve. okay but if you're not working you have to take it based on a government's uh, formula uh, but if you're working and you're under 70 and a half I guess you can't take uh, distributions at all. No, you can take uh, you can take them all out if you want. As long as you're past sixty-five, oh. you can take it all out. Oh, okay. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you're working or not. Then you that's right. In a higher tax bracket. I guess. That's right. It's, that's what I was going to tell you. You're pushing yourself into the highest tax bracket there is, but you can still take them out. Oh, okay. Now, see, it depends on how much okay. money you make and what tax bracket you're in. So, if you let's say you make fifty thousand, you take out twenty five thousand. I put you up an income of seventy five thousand. That's going to be a higher tax bracket. Right. So you're going to, have to pay more taxes. So you want to kind of play with it, not to to pay to pay the least amount of taxes you can, Art. And an accountant will help okay. you with that. Okay, Steve. Thanks, Thanks for, the, for call. the information. That's a good call. Right. Thank you. Very good call. Thank you, Art. I appreciate it. 888-99 chart. So uh, uh, there's four companies that are threatening to be the first trillion dollar company. Can you guess which ones those are? Four. The first one, the closest one, is Apple. You probably could have guessed that. It's at $925 billion. Okay? $925 billion. You do realize that's bigger than many countries in the world? Probably the majority this one company is big. All four of these companies are probably bigger than the majority of the countries in the world. So it's Apple. Apple is number one. Amazon at $770 billion is number two. Google at $752 is number three. And the fourth is the one I like the most out of all these. I like Apple. I like Amazon. I like Google. Uh, but I like Microsoft the best at $746 billion. Why do I like Microsoft the best? Because I like their LinkedIn uh, asset. I like they are now the uh, leader in, in uh, cloud servers. I like their Office 365 cycle that's coming up. And... I, I just think Microsoft has a very good shot in the next 12 months to get to a trillion dollar level. I just think they're growing pretty fast, 15% or so, and it's accelerating. I don't know, but it could be Apple. I mean, I, yeah, I love Apple. We own Apple in our managed accounts. I mean, I do like it. It's not that I don't like it. I like all, all four of these. I think all four of these should be in your portfolio. I do. Now, the question is, is uh, where should you buy them? Because, I mean, Google's pretty expensive. Amazon's pretty expensive. All of them are pretty expensive. I mean, they're, none of them are cheap at this point. But they are good, solid companies. And one of those four is going to be the first trillion-dollar company. 888-99-CHART. 888-99-CHART is our number. You can call right now. Here are the directions for reaching Steve this afternoon with your question. Just call 888-99-CHART, C-H-A-R-T. Have a question about how best to get into the market? Or maybe you're feeling unsure about your current investments. That's what this is all about. This is Invest Talk. 
Harry in San Jose. How you doing, Harry? Hey, doing good, Steve. Long time listener and appreciate the education you provide on the show. I had a question regarding 401k rollover. I am rolling over my 401k to an IRA with my bank. And as the usual uh, stuff, I have set up an uh, appointment with the advisor with my bank. I wanted to know if I don't want to be a couch potato investor and if I want to actively manage my funds, yes. how should I go about What would you recommend? Well, I don't know if I would roll it over into a bank because a bank is kind of limits you to whatever they're going to offer you. Now, he's going to, you know, a bank employee is, you know, they have people that offer you mutual funds and a few things, but are you going to try to do it yourself, Harry? I'm planning to do it myself, okay. uh, and I can trade stocks and mutual funds options on through my bank account. I oh, have a brokerage account with them. Okay, yes. and the trade fees are low? I get up to 100 trades free per year, and after that, it's around seven ninety nine. Okay, that's not too bad. Then, yeah, then that's what you should do. You could you could use the bank. Uh, I don't have a problem with it. It's just I thought they might be limiting you to, you know, because most banks, you can't buy stocks. It depends on the bank, obviously. No, I have no problem with that. And you control and decide what you want to buy and sell. There's no issues there. Now, what you need to do, though, Harry, is learn how to manage that portfolio of stocks or ETFs or mutual funds, whatever you're going to be, and kind of don't buy too much of any one thing. There's rules that you got to kind of, understand so you don't get you know, wiped out in one bad trade you know what i mean so be very very careful there got it okay yeah but Thanks. i have no problem with what you're doing sounds all right perfect Thank thanks you harry much. appreciate the call we're going to go to chris and hayward how you doing chris i was just curious you're flipping through the dials and listening to you i was curious that there's been so much uh you know online informationals and stuff like that in fact i even attended recently a uh like a teach me the trade type um and i don't know anything about stock they obviously were you know really flashy and had a lot of information i was curious if i can get your opinion on that kind of stuff you know unfortunately people make it sound like it's super exciting you can get in and out you buy it at the bottom sell at the top and you could do this and everybody could do this Chris, to be honest, it's a lot harder than it seems. Yeah. It really is. The stock market moves up when earnings increase. That's as simple as that. If you have a company that makes money and it makes more and more money, eventually the stock price will move up. The problem, Chris, is it's not a perfect correlation. In other words, if my earnings go up today, the stock doesn't go up today. Because all of us guys, me included, are looking for next year because I want to be ahead of everybody else. We're all competing with each other. So, Chris, if I can mention just one thing to put in your head. Stock prices move up on earnings. Now, I know you're going to say, and it is true, well, you got stocks that go up all the time that don't have earnings. Yes, that's true. Those are called story stocks. They have a great story. I have the next cure for cancer. The stock will shoot up. Right. But in fact, if they don't come out with that cure for cancer, that stock will shoot right back down and go lower. So that's a story that they don't have it yet, that they're working on it. Earnings actually means I have made money, I am making money, I'm putting it in my pocket, and you as a stockholder, remember you own this company, you have made money. If you don't believe me, look at Microsoft over all its history. It's gone up 10,000% since it started. Thousands and thousands of percent. It's because it's always made money. It right. has not moved in two years and still makes a lot of money. That's why I mean it's not a perfect correlation. Right, I hear you. <laughs> that can happen to you. But if you're going to be in this game any length of time, Chris, buy stocks that make money, you'll be a lot happier in the long run. Okay, I appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate the call. 
Now, no need to wait any longer. Time is of the essence. We're going into our final segment of the hour. So get your money questions to me. 888-99-CHART is my number. And we are taking calls right now. to an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments though 888-99 chart 888-99 C H A R T and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk. Let's go to Fred in San Diego. How you doing Fred? Hi. Um, I would like to know are there any general guidelines for setting a hedge position, take a generic one. In other words, what I'm concerned about is how to um, set those proportions. Would it have anything to do with the uh, proportion of the numeric risk at the time you set it? In other words, for example, if you want to set a um, hedge for the uh, index of the uh, S&P or the uh, NDX, how would you proportion it? For everybody else, let's make sure we understand what a hedge means. A hedge, everybody, means that you're in a position and you want to protect it from going down. Most common hedges are they're in a position, you made a lot of money, it's been going up, and you want to hedge it or hedge the whole portfolio against a fall in the market. So that means you put on positions that will go up when everything, it goes in the opposite direction is what it wants to do. So Fred's asking, well, is there rules as to how much of a hedge? Yes. It's, in other words, uh, how much would you put into going long or short to create that hedge? Okay. Um, would it have anything to do with um, what you assess the risk, per, numeric risk at that time would be? In other words, if you assess that the numeric risk is three going long and one going short, would it be have anything to do with that? There's many ways to hedge. Uh, you yeah. can hedge with options and. Oh yeah, just take a, a generic, uh, uh, you know, long short position, okay. which can be done with the ETFs. Well, let's say you feel that the the odds of the market are going up or continuing to go up are very strong. You have to determine that, by the way. Just mm-hmm. uh, say you think it's uh, three to one. In that situation, you wouldn't want to put more than 25 percent a short position. For instance, let's say you have a portfolio of stocks that you like and you still think they're going to go up, but you're worried about the overall market. You can short the overall market, but still hold on to your positions because some of them still may go up, but even though the market goes down. But how much is that is basically what you think the risk is. But uh, there's no general guidelines. No. Um, No. No. It's all individual and how much risk are you comfortable with? Okay. Thanks, Fred. Appreciate the call. Tim, Newport Beats, how you doing? Thanks for taking my call. This is an insurance question, and I, um, I'm with a uh, insurance company, a longtime customer, mm-hmm. and I have home, rentals, and auto, no claims whatsoever, mm-hmm. and their premiums have gone through the roof. It's one of the publicly traded companies. Who, which one? You can tell me. All, all state. Okay. And, um, you know, Tim, you need to get competing bids. You'll find that you'll get a big, much bigger, you get a bargain. You will find other companies that will, if you don't have any claims, 
Remember, and, and just so you'll know, Tim, they find out. If you don't fess up to them, they will find out if you have claims. They have a system called the CIB index, uh, the, the insurance between the insurance companies, and all of them report to the third party that reports. Every insurance company reports every claim to a mm. third party. And then they all met all the members of this index. You have to pay to be a member. Submit your name and your social security number to that index. They'll find out about every claim you ever made. So you oh, can't, good. I didn't know that. Yeah. Most people don't know that. I used to work in the insurance business. That's how I know. Oh, good. Uh, What's the downside? There's really no downside. Let's Even though you're a long-term customer and you say, well, gee, I don't want to lose my, uh, my, my, my relationship. My, You know what? <laughs> Insurance companies, they don't give two cents about your relationship, Tim. You have too many claims, your history. Let's say all of a sudden you had two or three claims, a rash for some reason, you know, uh, for your house. They'll cancel you. They'll double your rate. They don't care about the 20 years you're with them. You have to shop around. Insurance is always available. You can find it. I'll guarantee you, Tim, you'll find it for 25% less than you're paying today somewhere. Yep. Yeah, it, you will find it cheaper. All you do is to call up a few companies. Um, you know, there, there are so many. If you email me, Tim, I'll give you a, a several companies I think you should check with. Oh, good. Thank you. Okay, Tim, appreciate it. Just go to investtalk.com and hit contact me, contact us, and type in, I'm the guy on the radio show. Could you give me a couple of insurance companies to check some rates for homeowners, auto? And also, Tim, I don't know if you do this, but... If you might want to get excess insurance, you get you get umbrella. I do. Okay, then good. That's the way you go about it. Some people buy like, oh, I'll buy two million dollars or with their insurance. Well, no, buy five hundred thousand, then get two million umbrella. Yeah, right. that's much cheaper, much cheaper way. Thank you. Thanks, Tim. Appreciate the call. I'm financial advisor Steve Peasley. Justin Klein and I thank you for making us part of your day, and we'll do this again tomorrow on Friday. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein chief executive officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.